the scar of identity. Alexandre Kojiv was an immense influence on many French thinkers. What was so compelling about his lectures on Hegel? A Parisian Optician's Window Display, 1936. Photo by Herbert List slash Magnum. It may well be that the future of the world, and thus the sense of the present and the significance of the past, will depend in the last analysis on contemporary interpretations of Hegel's work. From Introduction to the Reading of Hegel, 1947, by Alexander Kojiv The incomprehensible in Hegel is the scar left by identity thinking. From Hegel, Three Studies, 1963, by Theodore Adorno. Paris, France, 1933. The French newspaper Le Figaro reads, It's a wick to a barrel of powder beneath the headline Hitler is the new master of Germany. Terror sets in. The far right is growing. The economy is suffering. There is mass unemployment. There are workers' strikes. Fascism begins appealing to the middle classes. In Berlin, stormtroopers are patrolling the streets. The Gestapo is detaining people and murdering them in cellars. Refugees from Germany arrive by train daily looking for asylum. Between 1933 and 1938, more than 80,000 politicians, philosophers, communists and liberals flee from Germany to France. There is anti-German sentiment. There are anti-immigrant protests. But intellectual life is flourishing in the cafés, institutes and academies as refugees forge community in exile. And at the École Pratique de Hautes Études, one of France's most prestigious research universities, Alexandre Kojiv has taken over Alexandre Quéré's seminar on the Phenomenology of Spirit, 1807, by G. W. F. Hegel. Between 1933 and 1939, Raymond Aron, Georges Bataille, André Breton, Gaston Fessard, Jacques Lacan, Maurice Merleau-Ponty, Eric Weil, Hannah Arendt, Jean-Paul Sartre, Simone de Beauvoir, Franz Fanon, Raymond Cano, Emmanuel Levinas all come to hear his lectures. A collection of the most renowned thinkers of the day, who would come to lay the intellectual foundations for 20th-century philosophy, political thought, literature, criticism, psychology and history. It is said that Kojiv's lectures were so intricate, so deft, that Arendt accused him of plagiarizing. Batali fell asleep. Sartre couldn't even remember being there. How is it that Kojiv, this obscure figure of history, came to influence an entire generation of thinkers at this pivotal moment? How is it that his ideas continue to fuel political and cultural debates today around identity, individualism, liberal democracy and the end of history? Hegel, except by not reading him. Meaning, even if you have never read Hegel, you've encountered his ideas recycled in the thinking of others, as impenetrable as Hegel might seem, his work has thoroughly penetrated collective consciousness. The opacity of Hegel's phenomenology avails itself to promiscuous interpretation, but no reading has been so seductive as Kojib's. We find his interpretation of Hegel reflected in the work of a diverse array of thinkers from Leo Strauss, Alan Bloom and Francis Fukuyama to Michel Foucault, Jacques Derrida, Giorgio Agamben and Judith Butler. Reading Kojiv reading Hegel has become an academic business in itself. Indeed, Blanchot's comment might be reworded to read, one cannot read Hegel today, except by reading Kojiv. 
Why has Kojib's reading of Hegel's phenomenology exerted such force of influence across disciplines and political lines? The short answer is that Kojib made Hegel accessible by bringing to the surface one of the essential elements of his work, desire. Kojib did not deny he was providing a reading of Hegel that transformed the text. His interpretation has been described as creative, outrageous, and violent. The question Kojib placed at the center of his lectures was, what is the Hegelian person? And he answered this question through a discussion of human desire by centering a brief section in the phenomenology titled Independence and Dependence of Self-Consciousness, Lordship and Bondage, which is popularly rendered as the master-slash-slave dialectic. And by centering this nine-page section of a 640-page work, Kojib offered readers a way to grasp an otherwise elusive text. Poetic in its opacity, perplexing in its terminology, Hegel's work offers an understanding of the evolution of human consciousness where the finite mind can become a vehicle for the absolute. But what does that mean? Kojiv took the lofty prose of Hegel down from the heavens and placed it in human hands, offering a translation, this is a book about human desire and self-consciousness. Or, as the philosopher Robert Pippin writes, Kojiv, who basically inflates this chapter to a freestanding, full-blown philosophical anthropology, made this point by claiming that for Hegel the distinctness of human desire is that it can take as its object something no other animal desire does, another's desire. What was Kojiv's reading of the master-slash-slave dialectic? In Kojiv's reading, human beings are defined by their desire for recognition, and it is a desire that can be satisfied only by another person who is one's equal. On this reading, Kojiv unfolds a multi-step process, two people meet, there is a deathmatch, a contest of the wills between them, and whoever is willing to risk their life triumphs over the other, they become the master, the other becomes a slave, but the master is unable to satisfy his desire, because they're recognized only by a slave, someone who is not their equal. And through the slave's work to satisfy the master's needs, coupled with the recognition of the master, ultimately the slave gains power. What is essential for Kojiv is that one risk their life for something that is not essential. The one who shrinks before the other in fear of death becomes the slave. The one willing to die, to face the inevitability of their own non-existence, becomes the master. In other words, desire is an exertion of the will over an other's desire. Or, as the French psychoanalyst Jacques Lacan would come to say, desire is the desire of the other's desire. It is not an attempt to possess the other person physically, but to force the other person in that moment of contest to make the other give, to bend their will, in order to achieve superiority. And in this moment, Kojiv writes, man will risk his biological life to satisfy his non-biological desire. In order to gain recognition in this sense, one must be willing to risk everything, including their life. It is a struggle for mastery of the self. Instead of Hegel's roundabout of self-consciousness that exists in itself and for itself but always and only in relation to another, Kojiv gives us, self-consciousness is the I that desires, and desire implies and presupposes a self-consciousness. Thinking about the relation between the finite mind and absolute knowledge is opaque, but desire is human. People know what it feels like to desire, to want, to crave to be seen, to feel understood. Desire is the hunger one feels to fill the absence inside themselves. Or, as Kojiv put it, desire is the presence of absence. 
and it is not a consuming desire, it cannot consume the object of desire, because desire directed toward another person is a desire for recognition, and to consume them would be to negate, destroy, the possibility for that recognition. We need each other to go on existing. Or, as the author Simone Well writes in Gravity and Grace, 1947 The beautiful is that which we desire without wishing to eat it. Or, as the poet and Carson in Tango Zix, 2001 to say beauty is truth and stop, slash rather than to eat it, slash rather than to want to eat it. Perhaps most importantly, what Kojeev understood was the extent to which we humans desire to exercise some control over how other people see us differently from the ways in which we see ourselves. However tenuous or certain our sense of self-identity may seem, it is our very sense of self that we must risk when we appear in the world before others, our identity, desire, fear and shame. There is no guarantee that we will be seen in the way we want to be seen, and feeling misrecognized hurts when it happens, because it wounds our sense of self. But this risk is vital, it is part of what makes us human, it is part of our humanity. And whereas Kojeev's reading drives toward an ideal of social equality that affirms one's pre-existing sense of self when confronted by another, for Hegel, one must take the other's perception of the self, whatever it may be, back into their own self-consciousness. In other words, whereas for Hegel freedom rested upon the ability to preserve difference, for Kojeev it rested upon the ability to preserve one's own identity at the expense of difference. Aeon is not-for-profit and free for everyone. Get Aeon straight to your inbox. Join our newsletter. Essay. Consciousness and Altered States. Stuck with the soul. The idea of the soul is obviously a nonsense, yet its immaterial mysterious nature has deep hooks in the human psyche. David P. Barish. Essay. Animals and Humans. Where went the wolf? The very attributes that make small dogs cute and popular are slowly strangling their ability to function as real animals. Jessica Pierce Essay Thinkers and Theories Masham and Me Were it not for her friendship with John Locke, the radical feminist gems of philosopher Damaris Masham might be unknown. Reagan Pena Luna Essay Politics and Government Wielding Death when everyday life is marked by oppression and violence, can a martyr's death truly be an act of freedom and resistance? Umar Latif Mizgar Essay Ethics The Ethics of Human Extinction Why would it be so bad if our species came to an end? It is a question that reveals our latent values and hidden fears. Emil P. Torres Essay Bioethics Selected before birth. Embryo risk screening could lower the odds of illnesses ranging from depression to diabetes. Can it be ethically done?